of all the football things on the field and the facilities and the academics and all that, our number one strength is our people and the culture uh, and the people that surround it. And Coach Stig is such a big part of that. And recruiting is about people and relationships. So I think it's one of our biggest strengths. You, you never can overwork. I mean, if you think you're doing enough, there's someone out there doing more. That's just, that's sports. A lot of them have things in common and, and all different sized bodies, but uh, the one thing they all did were multiple sport athletes. And uh, we want to coach our, our kids hard and, and have them in the weight room all the time, but we encourage them to play multiple sport. Go Jackrabbit. He absolutely does not stay locked up any longer than he has to. Uh, he, you know, he can diagnose the play from the line of scrimmage and he just gets off of people. Horns down. Stig had been a big part of the foundation and that's part of the reason they can kind of have that familiarity. Welcome back alums. And Through the recruiting though, we're really trying to paint that picture of, of the whole person. Coach Stig, I mean, you're not going to meet a nicer guy than him or a guy who wants the best for you. I mean, you know, focus on your studies, pick out a school that you want to go to academically. And, and if you like it for football, that's a great place to be. Welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Kyle Sheehan here with you today and Dallas Clarkson. And uh, we got to talk recruiting uh, from Minnesota specifically because Dallas and myself are from the southern part of Minnesota. Me, South Central Dallas, a little bit southwest. Yeah, one of us went to a better high school, but that's okay. That's right. That that high school is red and white. Fight on cards. <laughs> and uh, thinking you know, navy and uh, navy and silver. Yeah, yeah. I don't. We don't know those colors. We don't utter them. Um, I believe the, <laughs> the little brown jug has been with us for for some time. I think, right? Uh, no, I don't know about that. I'll have to double check, but uh, I, uh, we'll need to fact check that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to the books. We'll go to the books. But Dallas and I had a great opportunity to get some recruiting data from Matt Tollefson, El Prez, as we like to call him in the Splitting Hairs <laughs> contingent, and. Uh, he, uh, he does a great job with recruiting. Anybody who's followed along with the podcast has been able to uh, get a lot of great insight into up-and-coming recruiting classes, as well as keep tabs on uh, your favorite Jackrabbit players uh, throughout the course of their careers. Um, and, you know, he does great stat uh, upkeep and uh, gives you a lot of facts and tidbits about the players as they progress throughout their years in blue and yellow. And so he did a great job kind of recapping the six offers that we've got out there for the Minnesota class. Um, I say Minnesota class because that's a very rich uh, pipeline for the Jackrabbits historically. Um, So that's a specific reason Dallas and I wanted to hop on and talk Minnesota recruiting, uh, especially given we have so much time on our hands. uh, And hopefully uh, (laughs) all of you out there who are listening are going to get creative with your time and maybe dabble a little bit in the splitting hairs podcast. So we wanted to get you some, some detailed and some thorough content uh, relating to Minnesota ball. Uh, Dallas, how was it uh, talking to some of the folks you did? Great, great. So you know, coming up here on the, the show today, we've got one interview with incoming freshman, Rudy Voss. Uh, he's so one, he's from the better of the two high schools that we discussed Jackson <laughs> County central uh, quarterback uh, coming into South Dakota State, and he gained some notoriety this last this last fall. Uh, went viral, I, I, I dare say, and with his post game interview. And if nobody's checked it out, please Google Rudy Voss 
uh, it'll show up probably the first video you see got all kinds of all kinds of traction. I, where did you see that, Kyle? Do you remember? I mean, everybody picked this thing up. Yeah, I was scrolling through Twitter and, you know, just a lot of the the high school uh, state championship games, semifinals were rolling through based on the size of the state. Obviously, they were at a different portion of their their playoff run. Um, and the Minnesota uh, high school league stuff popped up uh, on my Twitter feed. And then it just it it went viral because the guy was um, pouring his heart out there um, after his last high school game and just talking about football, the game itself and what his brothers meant to him. And uh, for, you know, whatever I could say about it isn't going to do it justice. So it was just really compelling, uh, very moving, very heartfelt speech. Everything that's right about, about high school sports, right? I mean, it just, it made you feel good. It made, it brought back memories. Uh, I, I am a two-time state loser myself. So it brought back way too many real memories there, but yeah. very cool. And, and just, a, I think to me, he's a good example of the kind of student athlete that Stig likes to bring in, right? It's just genuine, good dude, hardworking, great teammates. And, and there's a lot of those kids coming. Yeah, and hopefully this comes out the way I intended to. But I feel like he's a the overachieving type that Coach Stig likes. You know, like very uh, down to earth, grounded. Uh, understands what it takes to be a good teammate first and foremost, and really um, is prepared to go to work because he really enjoys the process. And I think that joy and genuine passion for the process comes out in his words and in his actions uh, in terms of how he felt for his brothers in that viral interview uh, that went out there. But, you know, that's just one portion of the interviews we got. You also interviewed a coach from down in that region, correct? Yeah, I got to talk to Coach uh, Terry Ballman out of Marshall, Minnesota. And he's had some, one, some fantastic success, you know, in the last several years out of Marshall coaching. Uh, this last year ended a little quicker than they wanted. I think they ended up 9-1. and one. They got bounced bounced by Hutch a little earlier than they thought. But fantastic athletes. Uh, the kids that they've had come through there. I mean, we got two on our roster, and and then also uh, you know Trey Lance up there in uh, for the, the the furry cows, and then uh, I, I'm spacing on the name, but there's a real solid offensive lineman for the Gophers too. So great athletes, great coach, and uh, looking forward to talking to him. Nice, yeah, that'll be some good information, especially given uh, the nature of recruiting and some of the the ways it might impact uh, the more rural communities that we got out there and. The, the final uh, interview we had on this podcast was awesome. Uh, we got a chance to interview Brian Bergstrom. So Brian Bergstrom himself is a Minnesota native, joined the Jackrabbit staff in uh, March of 2017, and has really helped to ingrain uh, and solidify uh, pretty much his identity along with uh, Coach Rogers there as the other half of the uh, defensive coordinator crew. Um, it was just really great getting to kind of pick his brain and peel back the curtain on some of their philosophy. Uh, he gets into the tough mantra. He talks a lot about recruiting as it relates to the athlete himself and uh, the par- the parent side of things and just some of the things they look for in general, how they're connecting with the guys nowadays, given the constraints with uh, basically physical distancing and some of the stipulations that are placed not only on college athletics, but obviously everyone uh, that's been impacted with COVID-19. Um, we also talked a little bit about uh, himself uh, being a Minnesota native. He's coming from Burnsville, and he really kind of uh, touches on some some neat things about Minnesota and the state itself and what, uh, what it's meant to the success of Jackrabbit uh, recruitment and kind of the vision for what it might become. 
uh, what it might continue to be for the Jacks. I think my favorite part, Kyle, was getting to kind of feel like you're talking to the man behind the curtain. You know, I've, I've never in all the time I've been around football and recruiting and just all kinds of different phases. I've never really had a talk with a football coach about how they approach recruiting as a business, as a family, as a university, all of those things. And man, he is candid. I really liked it. Yeah. And it, candid is is the word I would use as well. I just really direct in, uh, in, in what he's looking for, unapologetic in it, um, really touched on the fact that you know, they don't want to have to sell anybody. Um, and then, you know, I think he really hit a, a unique point, uh, the, unique in terms of the fact that a lot of fans may or may not uh, take this into account. But recruiting is a lot of intuition. It's a lot of feel. Um, and I think he highlighted that pretty well, but also adding um, their own formula to it in their own game plan, so to speak, uh, in terms of what they're looking for. And then at the end of the day, it does kind of come down to a little bit of knack, a little bit of feel. Um, which was really cool. But yeah, he, he is just very uh, open, very sincere uh, again. And, you know, when we were corresponding back and forth, it's like, yeah, Stig continues to find the right mentors for, for the guys. And that, that's pretty cool to see because, uh, you know, he was talking to you and I, Dallas, about how, um, you know, we had played there and, and Stig, Stig had been a big part of the foundation. And that's part of the reason they can kind of have that familiarity. Welcome back alums. And, um, I thought it was really unique, though, to con- not only can we relate to the program still, but it, it's cool to see with some pieces that have kind of come back onto the onto the playing surface or the playing board um, that the coaches are different, but yet they still kind of have that same um, overall approach to how they want to get things done in the classroom, on the field and in preparation. Absolutely. The feel is still the same. I mean, the fact that you and I can go back to Brookings, I know it's a little longer trip for you, but we can go back to Brookings. We can roll into the, you know, the Dykow Center there and walk up through the coach's office and the faces have changed, but the mentality and the attitude is still the same. And that's not something you get at many schools. I'm in Mankato here. Uh, you know, Coach Hoffner at Mankato State's been here for quite a while, but I've got a buddy right down the road and he's been to more South Dakota State games than he has Minnesota State games. And that's because everything has changed over so many times since he played there. Yeah, you know, that's a phenomenal point. And then aside from that, I think they've done a great job in finding the right pieces that fit in when we do have some turnover in the coaching staff, which we haven't had a whole lot in the past few years, but we've had some some pieces we've had to try to to fill. And I think with that, they've come regionally, right? We've we've gotten some some Minnesota State Mankato guys. And right. then but but we've gotten guys who understand the region. But but also guys who have coached up through different levels um, and, to, you know, some some coaches when they're building their programs might scoff at that. I think that's awesome. Right. So like if you're if you're going to build a great baseball scout, you want them to start, you know, in the in the uh, farm system and work their way up <laughs> right. throughout. You know, you want them to have to earn their stripes. And I think that no way do you earn your stripes better than starting out in D3 and then D2 and then moving your working your way up. And also it's kind of a, it's kind of a way to weed out, you know, people who don't really have that, that grit and that passion to be able to sustain the long recruiting trail, the long cycle of recruitment for people. And um, I think that, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if we touched it, but I think one of the coolest parts about how South Dakota state approaches recruiting is I think there, this is this whole adversity that we're experiencing right now is going to be a big win for them in terms of how they really vet the type of kid they're looking for. 
I think so too. And, you know, we, we couldn't, obviously coaches can't get uh, in any way talk about recruiting that's going on right now. So I, we stayed away from some of those topics, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the, the fact that, you know, South Dakota state only looks for those character guys and, you know, they know exactly what they're after. I think that's only going to benefit them. And I guess I want to call that out quick. Is that something that uh, since we've got Bergstrom on this episode, uh want to be really, really clear that, Coaches are not allowed to talk about anyone that they're recruiting. They they can't they can't bring it up. They can't mention names or anything like that. But do you know who can? We can. We can absolutely. So uh, is that a good segue? That is a great segue. So what you got? Are you going to talk about the offers that we got out there for the Minnesota guys? Right. I would love to. I had so much fun watching film uh, on these. As far as is Twitter's concerned, I'm aware of six offers. Uh, Matt put these together. For us, we've been we've all been following this, but Matt, Matt's like you said, uh, definitely the best at this. First one that I'm aware of, uh, we got Dorian Singer, Tartan High School, Oakdale, Minnesota, and you know he's got fantastic top end speed. This is an athlete that he's I think he's just elusive enough in the open field. I think he can do a lot of things uh, once he gets the ball in his hands uh, and prove that over and over again. Um, great hands. Uh, saw some uh, dare I say Goddard esque one handed grabs. Oh wow! Some very very That's good ones. The the thing that stood out to me the most uh, about Dorian is his ability to high point catch. I've, I haven't seen a high school kid like that in a long time. They can go up and get the ball just above everybody else. Six feet tall, so he's not the tallest athlete on the field, but, man, he can go up and grab it at just the right time. That's awesome. Yeah, any any athletic ability that we can add to the, to the, the squad is only going to – open up the playbook, right? So his ability to high point the ball, you know, when you can lock down fundamentals like that, you shouldn't have any questions about uh, potentially getting him on the field. Obviously he'll need to mature into his body a little bit, maybe get in the weight room. Um, and then obviously, you know, the sky's the limit. For sure. Uh, so go from just kind of an athlete. Uh, I think you play a couple of positions. Next up, Kate Ehrenholtz, uh, Lakeville South, Lakeville, Minnesota, listed as a tight end or a D end. Just a little bit undersized. He's 6'3", but only got about 210 pounds on his frame, but still fantastic athlete. Uh, if I could, watching him as a de- – I watch, I enjoyed watching his, his defensive footage more, Kyle, and I know you've played both positions, but if I could use one word to talk about Cade, it would be the word disengage. He absolutely does not stay locked up any longer than he has to. Uh, he, you know, he can diagnose the play from the line of scrimmage, and he just gets off of people. It's fantastic to see. Uh, you know, from the D line again, you can see him reading the play. He goes sideline to sideline very, very well. You don't see that that commonly in high school, right? Like, I'm trying to remember back way back in high school, and to me, you got your hand in the dirt, you're moving forward. Somebody runs into you, knock him down. At least that that that's the way it felt for me. But you could just see him diagnose. Uh, and, and I think that that would transit suit him very well transitioning to linebacker at the next level. And, and lastly, uh, I think he's probably the best athlete in the class. Cause you know why he's a hockey player. <laughs> oh, there you go. You know, it's, it's really nice to see, uh, over the past couple of years, we've had a lot of versatile athletes coming in, not just one dimensional playing either football or basketball, but definitely multidimensional athletes. And, you know, coming out of Lakeville there, Lakeville South is a very prominent program. It's up there with the Eden Prairies and, uh, schools of that caliber. So, you know, he's, he's played some, some good competition, uh, especially in, in, uh, some of those suburban, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, area schools. My grandparents live up there. So I, I'm very familiar with that area. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, we started kind of dipping into there lately. So that's nice to see. 
Third up on the list, we got an athlete, uh, either outside linebacker or athlete named Dominic McMillan uh, out of Minneapolis North, home of Khalid Elamy. Bit of a throwback for anybody that remembers him. Uh, a fluid, fluid athlete. Uh, his his body awareness is fantastic. Very, very good in space. Uh, aware of something that I was never good at, his awareness of just kind of the sideline and where other people are in the field really stood out to me. Uh, and on defense, you know, not a ton of weight on him yet, but man, he is not afraid of contact. Uh, moves well laterally. Uh, seems to at least at that linebacker position, played very, very tight to the line of scrimmage, uh, so able to diagnose quickly, and that could help him again adjust to the next level where you have to be able uh, just to be used to a faster uh, play. Absolutely, and you're you know coming from uh, Minneapolis North, inner city, uh, twitchy type player. Obviously, he translates really well. Um, OLB athlete type player. So, I mean, he's the same size, uh, at least on paper, roughly speaking, is Cade. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, you know, interesting to see how both those two athletes develop, uh, physically over the years, being that they're coming in at about the same type of measurables. Next offer up number four, we got Mr. Nick hand to Tino grace Rogers, Minnesota, uh, safety wide receiver, six foot three, about 185 pounds on him. I thought he looked a little bigger than that on film, but that's what they got him listed at. Uh, I really, really enjoyed watching his defensive footage, man. He knows how to play safety. Uh, he could read a quarterback better than any high school player I've seen in quite a while. You know, a lot of guys, you see them, they're really focused on who they're defending and they're looking at the routes. This cat's looking at the quarterback. And and if, if you're not looking him off, he's going to make a play. I, I'm willing to bet he made anybody else in his conference playing quarterback either get better or look really silly. Uh, you know, needs to put on uh, some pounds just based on, on the listed weight anyway, but again, not afraid of contact. And he could close on the ball and the ball carrier very quickly. Yeah, and you know, Tatino Grace, another power uh, coming out of Minnesota in terms of a program that's co- consistently in the conversation for state title. Um, definitely uh, pretty prominent recruiting as well. You're starting to see a trend here of the length that we're trying to get on the field, both offensively and defensively at 6'3". We've had a lot of guys measure in that we've, we've discussed so far. Uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see um, where they decide to put him, um, being that he is versatile as well, playing wide receiver, safety, and then having that all-around athletic ability. Number five on the list, Mr. Bryce Lance out of Marshall, Minnesota. Again, got a chance to talk to his coach a little bit about him and just kind of their philosophy and, and his approach to uh, to his game. Uh, I've got a question for most of Southern Minnesota, or at least football teams. Why was Bryce always so open? I, he was, I actually, Kyle, I don't know if you got a chance to check his film out. I wanted to see him more contested just, you know, cause he was always so open that his catches looked way too easy to me. But again, that's probably just the, uh, the result of being a, a really good route runner uh, as an athlete, really shifty hips in the open field. And he will always take a hit to pick up a couple extra yards and, you know, d- dude can block too. Yeah, really bringing that much to the table. Uh, the sky's the limit. You know, a lot of times, too, you'll see uh, guys are just wide open because of scheme. There's a bus in coverage, a lot of stuff like that. But the separation was pretty pretty silly on a lot of uh, on a lot of the plays. But, you know, it's a testament to how he worked. He's still got to finish. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if he uh, decides to settle on blue and yellow or a different color uh, matching the gold there. So we'll see. His- <laughs> There's only one good match to gold, my friend. That's right. That's right. And it ain't, it ain't green. Um, <laughs> but, but speaking of greens, who we got, who's the next guy up last one, Elijah green 
Farmington High School, uh, wide receiver, athlete, uh, same sort of frame, six foot, 186. Again, I thought he looked a little bigger than that, but that's what he got listed at. Uh, super dangerous in the screen game. He looks so natural running either a tunnel or a bubble screen, and it, I, they did a lot with him uh, just to get him the ball and, and just to let him be an athlete, right? Uh, you know, seems to always pick up five more yards once he hits traffic. It's, it's He's so shifty and so elusive. It's, you know, norm, you, usually you see somebody – uh, a smaller athlete like that or somebody get the ball behind the line of scrimmage, once they hit congestion, you're expecting them to go down. But no, Elijah's always able to pick up about an extra five or six yards. Uh, and also, not just a threat at the line of scrimmage, he can stretch the field too. You know, he gets dirty, likes to block, uh, very good in the return game. Kyle, I hate to say that someone reminds me of Cade Johnson, but I don't know. <laughs> it's lofty praise, but yeah, you know, it's <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, you want to set the expectation and, and obviously set a bar for people to aim for. And, you know, if, if he's going to come in, he's going to don the blue and gold. That's, uh, you know, we don't want to aim for whoever was, you know, 34th in Jackrabbit return history or what have you. You know, you're going to aim for <laughs> the guy the guy who had the high mark and then you're going to act accordingly in your preparation and hopefully your production on the field. So I'm excited to see what what transpires with recruiting as a whole. Obviously, us being Minnesota guys and me being an adopted son of Minnesota, you know, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited to see what these guys can do because throughout the course of the years, especially last year, it was great watching the boys uh, line up against Minnesota and us sharing uh, a huge, huge contingent of Minnesota kids in blue and gold. It was just uh, really nice to see. And with uh, St. Thomas jumping up uh, to or making a, a plan to jump up in transition classifications. It'll be interesting to see them dip into some of the recruiting in, in Minneapolis specifically um, and take a chunk out of hopefully North Dakota State's recruitment. And then uh, who knows what that leaves for us because we do a pretty darn good job ourselves. You know, Stig, Stig and everybody do a heck of a job. Again, we know the type of folks we're after. And, uh, you know, I guess my thought to anybody being recruited is, if you've been made an offer by South Dakota State, it's because they want you as a person. There is no shotgun blast. Uh, you know, I don't know how many verbal offers I heard Nebraska sent out, like hundreds, something like that. Uh, yeah, it, it's not like that for Stig. It's if 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 you have been made an offer, he means it, and that's all there is to it. And I'm glad you brought that up again. I wanted to say that uh, you know it's it's really interesting during this time period because you got a lot of the big prominent power five schools that historically a lot of times would just jump on a kid who had already been offered by a school, not necessarily do their due diligence, not necessarily not do their due diligence, but uh, it kind of became a trend where if a guy's offered, other schools will offer just kind of de facto. So I love seeing schools uh, in the FCS ranks that have to um, by the sheer nature of their circumstance do a really, really good job vetting the kind of guy that they want to get in there um, and then seeing what happens and then actually really developing them, um, which I think Stig's done a great job of. Um, and I think that you'll get a real good glimpse about uh, how we go about it um, with our coordinators uh, from Coach Bergstrom. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him and uh, Rudy Voss as well. I think that's who we got coming up. Yep, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's kick it over and talk to Rudy. Hey, everybody. I've got Rudy Voss here. Quarterback from JCC High School in Southwest Minnesota, my alma mater, and also incoming freshman next year at South Dakota State. Uh, we're going to talk to him here a little bit about his high school career and kind of the recruiting process and his thoughts on talent level in Southwest Minnesota. 
Rudy, thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. Now, I, this is a, a definitely a weird a weird time for everybody. You, you going stir crazy right now or not too bad? Uh, not too bad. I've been uh, lifting every day, been staying busy, working on the farm. We uh, just got all our corn planted yesterday, so for sure I've been staying busy, but for sure do miss my uh, teachers and a lot of my classmates. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's got to be tough finishing uh, finishing your high school career that way. But, you know, a lot, to, a lot yeah. coming up, a lot to look forward to. So, again, episode here we're talking about recruiting in Minnesota kind of in general. Uh, playing in southwest Minnesota, can you maybe talk a little bit about the talent level that you played against in high school and maybe uh, touch on some players that, that stood out as, as great competitors to you that you played against? Yeah, there was uh, a lot of there, – there's some good talent here for sure. Uh, we always had a battle between Fairmont, it seemed like, the last three years. They had a lot of talent, a lot of good players. Um, when I was a junior, two years ago, they had a lot of talent on that team. Uh, this year, Laverne had a kid, Bailey Cowell. He's a he's a junior. He'll be a senior this coming year. He's a really good player. Um, yeah, there's for sure, there's, there's, there's a lot. I sometimes feel like it gets overlooked because it's small schools, but that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you felt maybe that, that the area is overlooked a little bit. So talk about your recruiting process a little bit. Do you feel it was a traditional? Um, was it difficult to get noticed? Uh, just kind of talk about your steps all the way through a little. No, it it was never really hard to get noticed. I mean, when if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And I'm not saying that I was top dog or anything, but um, – I posted my highlight film. I did what I was supposed to do. I went to a lot of camps. I mean, I did everything I was supposed to do. And uh, basically, it just turned out very, it turned out really well for me. So your your high school career didn't finish quite how you wanted. Uh, I was at that game. No. <laughs> I was at that yeah. game, that game, actually. Um, man, there... I'm against questioning officials, but there was a spot there that, man, I, I will never forget that. <laughs> but Hey, every, every, everybody knows it, it was short, but, uh, we can't, we can't blame it on that one play. I mean, there's so many other plays in the game that I could have made better for us to win. I mean, yeah, that's, that was, uh, probably one of the biggest plays of the game, but there's other plays in a football game. So you can't just rely on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I got to ask, I think you definitely gained some notoriety, bit of an internet celebrity for a while there, uh, post-game press conference. Now, I, th I think I can speak to this a bit being a, I, I'm a two-time state loser. Uh, yeah, you guys had a heck of a team. <laughs> we got, I actually, no, I, uh, I'll probably cut this part out, but actually I got hauled off after the, my senior year. I actually got, I had to get carried, like pulled off of the field by a, an Owatonna coach that was playing afterwards because they were trying to warm up. Oh. <laughs> I knew the guy, but I just didn't want to move. It gets the best of us. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so game didn't end the way that you wanted. And your post-game press conference, I don't know how many places I saw it. It was, it really just as a, as a former football player, as, as a parent, you know, as a coach, it, man, did that make me really feel like there's something right about high school sports. Uh, and if anybody that hasn't, hasn't seen that, go ahead and check it out. You can Google it, but do you want to maybe talk through just kind of that press conference and where your head was at and what you were feeling right then? Um, you know, it makes me emotional every time I talk about it almost, but it, 
it just I had so many emotions going through my head and I just I just spoke from the heart. I mean, it was absolutely devastating. I thought I thought for sure well we were we had that game, we were gonna be state champs. I mean, we had that we had that goal since third grade, I mean and there wasn't a day that summer going into that to our senior year, we weren't talking about it. And just to know that you're never gonna play football again with your best friends growing up that just it just it hurts so much but there's so much to look back on and the the season we had was great we brought the whole community together and we really we were we were really fortunate um we were blessed it was a lot of fun wouldn't trade it for anything just that's how it goes i guess sometimes yeah, you had an awful lot to to feel good about. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, very very solid career, great teammates. As you're transitioning to the next level, do, do you have any advice for uh, players going in? You know, 2021 grads and on that maybe are interested in playing at the next level. You you never can overwork. I mean, if you think you're doing enough, there's someone out there doing more. That's just that's sports. The guy, there's how many football players in the world? Every guy wants the same same thing you do. It's it's got to come down to you whether you're willing to make sacrifices. If you're gonna play video games or if you're gonna go out study plays or it just comes down to the little things like that. And it's uh it goes so fast, so fast. Like I just remember being a freshman. It's like I got four years yet. I got three years and then shoot, it's over. I mean, that's why you gotta, you gotta work as hard as you can because it can be gone like that. Rudy, what was important to you when you were looking for a university to play at? (laughs) Um, I wanted something that was as close to my high school team as I could get. I wanted to have, I wanted to have fun and wanted to feel like I was playing with my best friends all the time. And that's just what I kind of got the feel from at SDSU. Like when I took my official visit and went out with a bunch of the guys, they were just so, uh, so cool with each other. And it just, it just felt like this, this is the spot. I have a great opportunity here and it, it was kind of a no brainer. So how did you feel that maybe SDSU was different from other schools or other coaching staffs that you were looking at? Um, they're big on their faith, and I really like that about Coach Stig. I'm a big Christian guy myself, and I really like that. And their coaching staff, there's they're all just great guys. They want the best for you and the family feel, the atmosphere, and it's only an hour and – 45 from home. So that, that, that was a big reason. Hour 45. You must drive faster than I did. <laughs> or wait, no, you, you live on the West side of town. Don't you? I live on the West side right. about 25, <laughs> 25 minutes. I was going to say, be careful driving that quick. <laughs> so, um, you know, everything that you said there about the coaching staff, uh, definitely rings true. And I can second that. Uh, so to end with, I guess, talk about why you ultimately chose SDSU. You talked about what was different, but what just really, what really nailed it for you? Um, I mean, don't want to repeat myself, but right. obviously the family, family feel was a big, was a 
big reason why Coach Stig, I mean, you're not going to meet a nicer guy than him or a guy who wants wants the best for you. I mean, he told me, go where they want you, go where it's the best fit for you, and that's just what it was, and I, I'm looking forward to it a lot. I mean, of course I'm nervous, but I'm also excited for the challenge, and I think it's going to be uh, really good for me. You should be. I, I think you're going to do fantastic. I think going in, uh, get a chance to run the scout team next year, you're going to cause cause that, that defense fits on the practice field. <laughs> Guarantee it. Uh, Hope so. <laughs> hey, thanks <laughs> Thanks so much for, for taking time, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Cool. Rudy Voss, everybody. Quarterback, Jackson County Central, and incoming freshman for your SDSU Jackrabbits. Hey, everybody. Uh, I've got Terry Ballman on the phone here. He is head coach for the Marshall Tigers, and we wanted to chat with him a little bit here today as we're talking Minnesota recruiting because he's had you know a ton of success as a coach and as a team here recently, but also had some very, very talented athletes coming through that didn't just excel in high school, but made it to the next level and are excelling at the next level. And those, you know, anybody that's been in and around football knows that those are all very, very distinct and different things, succeeding in high school, uh, you know, making it to the next level, and then actually succeeding at the next level. Uh, you know, at, at South Dakota State, of course, here we've got Lee, we've got Winkleman, uh, you've got, um, uh, help me out, the fellow with the Gophers, is it and Andres? Blaze Andres with the Gophers. And, yeah. Andres, there we go. And then uh, Trey Lance for the, the Fargo Furry Cows up there as well. Uh, so, Coach, uh, thanks for taking time to join us, by the way, here. Uh, you bet, Dallas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you know, super nice day. I know you, a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff. Are you going stir crazy or not too bad? Oh, it's going stir crazy right now. I, I never wanted to be an online teacher. And, and after doing it for four or five weeks here, I never want to do it again. So hopefully, so hopefully we get things back to normal fairly quickly here. Yeah, I can imagine. That's obviously a, a big impact on everybody. And, and, you know, thoughts always go out to the teachers. I know you guys miss the kids. Uh, so Jumping on to recruiting here and, and just Southwest Minnesota football in general, you guys have had a lot of success recently, you know, nine and one last year. Um, can you talk some of those players that I mentioned and, and some of the ones coming up that are, you know, having very, very good careers, looking to play at the next level? I wonder if you could actually just take a minute and kind of talk through those folks and what they've done in the classroom, on the field, and just kind of their approach to life in general and how maybe that's helped lead to their success. Well, we've had a lot of kids have some success, and and as you said, they they've gotten to go to the the next level. Uh, uh, you know, we had Drew Himaleski went to the Gophers as a wideout, and now playing baseball, and and we got Jefferson Lee and Reese Winkleman, South Dakota State, Trey Lance at at NDSU, Blaze Andrews with the Gophers, and then off this year's class, Y.A. Black's going to Iowa, and Trey Steinbach's going to North Dakota State there, and uh, a lot of them have things in common and, and all different size bodies. But uh, the one thing they all did were multiple sport athletes. And, and uh, uh, we want to coach our, our kids hard and, and have them in the weight room all the time, but we encourage them to play multiple sports. And, and I think that helps them become more athletic and, and just with competing. And it's always good to play the sport. You're maybe not your best sport and they learn to compete and be an athlete that way. I love that you brought up the multiple sport thing. I was actually going to try to lead you to that later, but you jumped right on it. Uh, you know, that's again, specialization is getting bigger every year. Kids are starting earlier and earlier. Um, 
and and to hear you, you know, make sure that you call out that doing multiple sports is important. That that's very refreshing, and 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 I appreciate that. So, approach in general. Now let let's talk, um, kind of just the landscape of of Minnesota football, and and maybe specifically Southern Minnesota football um, talent that you're seeing in, in in your conference and in the region there. How do you feel that that compares to? you know, other areas, Metro, uh, do, you, do you feel, is there any kind of a drop-off? Do you feel that, that you guys get the attention you deserve? Uh, the good question there. I, I obviously with the Metro, there's some, some different areas and the numbers just, you know, overwhelm. But, uh, uh, we sent some kids out here, like we said before, that, that it competed very well. Uh, you know, Trey Lance had the, the record breaking year there and Reese Winkleman starts for SDSU and, and Blaze Andrews starts for the, the Gophers. So, uh, uh, we think our kids compare very hard, uh, as far as the area, uh, I think the Southwest Minnesota talents overlooked a little bit. Uh, kids from our area of the state and have strong work habits. Uh, they they grow up and they know how to work yet. And and uh, I think our kids learn a lot about being teammates in multiple sports, like we said. And I, I think that reflects on the area. And, and uh, I remember when we first got here, we had some good players that didn't get recruited, and I was a little bit surprised. And and it seems like right now that that with the success we've had. Uh, more people come by and take our guys serious. If we say that we think this kid can play college, they they believe us and and take a hard look at our guys. You know, I'm curious. This is a bit of a selfish question. Uh, I've got a son, and God willing, he'll you know go, he'll play some high school ball and maybe have an opportunity to to play in college. Um, something I've never understood as a coach. What is your what role do you play in in that? Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I like to be very involved in our, our kids' recruiting, and and we get asked a lot what we do, and and we we get our kids out to camp to get looked and noticed. But probably the key is is there to make sure to, they're ready to get out and and get looked and get noticed because uh, that first impression, the eyeball test, is huge. And if you're not ready to go at the first look, you get crossed off the list and and go. And and uh, none of the guys I mentioned before did any private recruiting things or, or any private lessons or anything thing that they just you know did our program stayed in our weight room work and and then got themselves to camps when they're ready and and when we go to camps we want to compete hard and, and put on the best showing uh, obviously you get tested for football in a lot of areas from shuttle run to to long jump to vertical and and things and we we do take some time and practice those events with our kids to to make sure they test well when they get there coach that makes me curious talking about the eyeball test being important what do you think this this bizarre situation we're in right now what kind of impact is that going to have on on guys in the 2021 uh and even 2022 class do you think that'll uh, have a negative impact on them uh, I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. I, I think uh, uh, people from our size schools probably don't get the same uh, looks as other people. So uh, we got to get out and get to camps. And without that opportunity, it's going to be hard to do. Now, Bryce Lance uh, just got offered from North Dakota State and South Dakota State about a week ago there and and he had gotten to visit both of those before so that was taken care of but uh, uh i know there's some big 10 schools looking at him but they're not going to offer unless they get a chance to see him so uh that's going to be very interesting we got a big sophomore uh young man dalen hazards about 6'4 290 that that it's time for him to get out in camps and get noticed so uh, uh we're hoping to get him a look but uh, i think it's going to slow it down a lot Ooh, is it sophomore 6'4 290 you said yeah, six four two ninety, and just turned sixteen. So, uh, oh man, uh, he's got a bright future coming for him, also. So, as a dad, I'm glad I'm not feeding him. 
<laughs> That's a big problem probably right now, home alone all day. Oh, man. All right. So let's see. How about, I'm curious, anybody just kind of in the area that's really caught your eye lately that that you're really uh, excited to rise to the challenge to play in the next couple of years? Oh, I think Wasika's got a couple of kids in, in, uh, that are very athletic, whether they go uh, football or basketball that, that stand out and, and uh, off. JCC's team. I got to see him play twice last year. Got to watch him. They had some good team kids. Uh, uh, they're going to go on, and and you know Fairmont's got a good young quarterback that's got a chance. I think. All right. So, coach, uh, again, appreciate the time. Super nice out. I don't want to keep you much longer here. Um, in closing, can you sum up just the best advice that you can give to to some players in the area, maybe that are thinking about wanting to try playing at the next level? Well, as as we tell our kids, you know, don't focus on trying to get to college enjoy your high school years there was, those are a lot of good years might be the best years of your life and and we always tell our guys you know three percent of kids high school athletes get money to go play play college sports if you're lucky enough to go there's there's a lot of great programs out there and there's an opportunity for everybody and and uh, around our our area there's a lot of great division two uh football and 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 those are really good football players and and of course you got the division threes that, that are good football players so uh, you know, focus on your studies, pick out a school that you want to go to academically. And, and if you like it for football, that's a great place to be. Fantastic advice. Coach, thanks so much for taking time to join us today. You bet. Good talking to you, Dallas. All right. That was great. All right. Have a good day. All right. Today, uh, Jackrabbit Illustrated fans, we are going to be interviewing Coach Brian Bergstrom. He's the defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator for the Jackrabbits. Um, so we're going to chop it up with Coach Bergstrom. Thanks for giving us some time. You know, it's a strange time right now. It seems like a lot of us um, are getting a little stir crazy. How have you been? Uh, how have you been hanging in there in Brookings? We're doing good. Uh, we're we're blessed by health, uh, and we're blessed uh, to have a have a job and a, and a pretty good and important one uh, at that. It's certainly uh, different times, like like you mentioned. Uh, with all our players being gone, uh, most of them at home, uh, doing a lot of, you know, their schoolwork remotely and uh, their workouts. They're getting their best workouts that they can. Uh, if, uh, if they have access to a weight room, that's obviously great. Uh, but uh, our strength staff's done a great job of, of creating some plans with some at-home workouts. And then uh, the running is, is a little bit easier because they're able to find field space and, and things to uh, like that to, to be able to use. Uh, but certainly uh, very different in terms of working from home, having a lot of Zoom meetings uh, as a staff and uh, uh, spending a lot of time in recruiting and uh, spending a lot of time connecting still with our guys uh, via Zoom, uh, whether that be group meetings or team meetings, uh, position meetings, uh, one-on-one meetings with our guys. So uh, we're keeping busy. And then, and then personally, um, you know, my wife and I are balancing both of us working from home and both of us trying to help the kids with school. So it's uh, in a time where you think you'd be uh, way less busy. Uh, we, we stay pretty active at our house. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's, it's kind of like uh, being a defensive coordinator, sudden change is a lot of, a lot of what you go over with your squad. And, you know, now is kind of the ultimate sudden change that it's got everybody kind of sitting on pins and needles when things are going to start to hopefully open back up, you know, as communities and then the broader nation and, and even world as a whole. 
but how, how are you kind of managing your time um, with family there as well? And then having to be creative uh, in connecting uh, with your athletes through Zoom. I mean, is, are you, have you formulated some type of a game plan that allows you to adhere to some type of structure with all of that? Yeah, I think w- one of the biggest things we, uh, when all this started to happen that we stressed to our guys is that they needed to develop a, a routine for themselves, a routine with uh, sleep and nutrition, certainly, but a routine with where they're going to study kind of in their house where they are, uh, you know, the timeline for when they're going to be working on football stuff, when they're going to be doing workouts and when it, when so much is different, like sudden change, like you, like you phrased it uh, quite well, uh, you got to have some structure. So uh, for, for our guys, uh, it really is dependent on their class schedule, their online class schedule. Some professors are doing zoom meetings uh, with the class. So it's like you're on in class at the same time. Sometimes it's, uh, just assignments made online. Uh, most of them have a, a time of day that they're working out, certainly. And uh, again, that was a big emphasis for us. For me personally, uh, my wife, uh, like I said, works. She's the director of a preschool here in Brookings at our church. And so she kind of works more early in the day. And I take the lead with our kids. We have a seventh grader and a third grader and a kindergartner. So they're, they still need some guidance and help with the computer and the iPads and all their meetings. And um, so uh, I, I kind of take the lead with them more early in the day. And then midday, we kind of switch roles and, and my wife takes the lead with the kids and I'm working more. Um, and then with with uh, the safeties, uh, particularly, uh, we have set times throughout the week that we're meeting uh, about scheme and watching, watching film uh, or maybe a one-on-one academic meeting. Uh, or a group non-football meeting where um, it's not always about football. The big thing is that we just are, we're in relationship. I mean, yeah. uh, you guys know the culture here and it's, and it's all about people and all about relationships. And uh, when there's that distance, we gotta, we gotta be super proactive. Uh, and just really thankful for zoom. Really. I didn't know much about zoom until all this happened. Uh, it's better than trying to talk on the phone with them. Definitely. And it's like now there's no excuse for guys not to be watching film, you know, obviously with the resources like huddle or anything like that. But really, when that's that's all there really is to do at this current uh, current time, as far as not being able to get out there on the field uh, with the the rest of your your 10 guys or, you know, uh, all the other defenders out there. But um, I guess kind of shifting gears, uh, you know, obviously you didn't get into to coaching to just do Zoom meetings, um, but. <laughs> Talk, talk a little bit about, for, for everyone listening, um, what did compel you uh, to pursue a career in coaching? Yeah, uh, great question. I think early in my career, when I, when I got, uh, so I grew up in Minnesota, I uh, went to, to Burnsville High School and, and graduated in, in 98, and then uh, went to Gustavus Adolphus College, graduated, played football there, graduated there in, in 2002, near the end of my playing career. It was when I was a senior, I was a health and exercise science major and didn't really know what I was going to do. And I just started to think, what's my life going to be like without football? And I, I really struggled uh, to figure that out because of my passion for the game, my love of the game, how much the game had given me. Um, and you certainly pour in a lot to football, but how much the game had given me. Uh, and uh, so from there, I, I, uh, I went into a little bit of high school coaching and then I was a graduate assistant coach at, at St. Cloud State and then and then dove into the college 
football and, and have been able to coach D3, D2 and, and uh, Division One FCS. So I've been able to see all the different levels. So early in my career, the the goal was to to stay in the game. And I wasn't good enough to keep playing after college, but I wanted to stay in the game. And then over time, I don't think it was one day, uh, but over time, it's been gradual uh, where my my why, uh, why I do what I do now uh, is my guys, is, is, is the players. And it's, it's using the game, which is a special, special game as a platform uh, to impact their life positively. Uh, so my goal, the goal is to win. Uh, but the purpose of of what I'm doing is is to impact. So that's kind of what drives me now is is the relationship with the guys and pushing them uh, to be their best. Uh, really, as, as as men first, students second, and football players third. That's awesome. So, Coach, tra- talking about that transition from you know wanting to continue with football and head over uh, and just continue that in any way that you can. Uh, as you know, we're, we're you know, doing a show talking about recruiting here yeah. and specifically recruiting in Minnesota. I'm curious, was the recruiting aspect of being a college coach, was that kind of a shock to you? Because that's obviously a part of the game that you're never going to be exposed to until you actually do it. So recruiting, when, when you think of coaching, uh, many times people don't from the outside don't think of recruiting as uh, a big part of the job or uh, one of the main parts of the job. And uh, it is a huge part of the job. Uh, certainly some of the time you're with your guys, some of the time you're coaching and you're teaching and you're mentoring. And that all is, is very important stuff uh, and very re- rewarding. Um, but recruiting is the life, the lifeline of the program in, in college. That is how you, uh, you know, feed your team. Um, and I would argue even in high school, you're recruiting your hallways. I mean, you're, you, you got to get the best players that you can on your team. And, and that helps you be obviously a better team, uh, and you look like a better coach when you when you have better players. Um, the unique thing about uh, recruiting for me, having recruited at all the different levels, uh, ultimately recruiting is about relationships, and, and we believe it's about not selling, rather sh- passionately sharing our vision for who we are, where we've been, where we're going, uh, how we're going to get there, and then how that. Uh, student athlete uh, that we're recruiting fits into that mold and painting that picture. And, and, and we don't want to decide for them. We want them to pick us. Uh, so that's across the board. That's, that's D3, D2, Division I FCS. The different, the, the, what is very different is a lot of the rules and the calendars and, and the timeline for when things are happening. For me, that was, once I got into the college game, that was the biggest change uh, was just learning how recruiting at that level works. Uh, but ultimately, it does come down to being organized, developing relationships, uh, and then just working at it. I mean, it just requires time. And it requires, as any relationship that, that, we, were, that we would have as humans, it requires uh, you putting in a lot of work. And uh, when you do that, though, it's really rewarding because uh, you get you get great people that are added to your program, which which elevate the program uh, rather than keeping it the same or or lowering it. So, is there is there an aspect about uh, SDSU's philosophy in recruiting, or maybe um, uh, kind of like an angle that that your staff would take that would separate you guys from maybe other Valley uh, recruiters and other teams, uh, or even other mid majors that you're going up against? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm not an expert in, in what the other people are, or the other teams are saying, uh, but I do know who we are. And, and when we're recruiting, uh, I, I mentioned it a little bit. Uh, it, is, it is not a sales pitch. It's a it's let us share passionately uh, our, our philosophy of, of our program and and the Jackrabbit, the Jackrabbit way and what and what it means, what last play means and what one and know means. And um, through the recruiting, though, we're really trying to paint that picture of of the whole person. Uh, Coach Stig, uh, who, who has uh, obviously been a rock in this program for many, many years. Uh, and it, the, the biggest reason why we are where we are um, is does an amazing job of of recruiting and then coaching the whole person. So I think what makes us different is is we can say we're we're going to challenge we're going to love you and challenge you and push you in every single way uh, as a man, as a student, and as a football player, and we can win games at the same time. Uh, so the balance of uh, Sure, getting great facilities and winning a lot of games and being in the national semifinals two of the last three years and college game day. Like there's there's plenty to sell that way in the indoor and in the stadium and um, you know that way. But but it's the whole package. It's that with uh, the people, with the academics, um, and and being pushed that way where we truly truly are going to love you and care about you as a person, not just what can you do for us on the football field. Uh, so. That that's what I would say that we focus on is, is recruiting uh, the whole person and really getting to know that whole person and their family and what makes them tick. Because we want to make sure it's the right fit for them. We don't want to get people here that it isn't the right fit for. Uh, we want the guys that's the right fit. Uh, yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you were you were addressing how you're going to do what you guys know as a, as a South Dakota state staff. Um, I think it's really interesting to have gone through a recruiting process myself and now have watched my younger brother go through it. And you can kind of see the schools that are maybe, um, uh, their approach is more maybe marketing and maybe a little harder sell. Um, obviously they're still focused on building relationships and things of that nature, but it's kind of awkward. It comes across as maybe a little disingenuous. And I think, you know, that's one thing, um, that I really give a nod to coach Stig on. And, and uh, I've said it on the podcast before. Um, I think his biggest strength is surrounding himself with really, really good assistant coaches, um, and then trusting them, but kind of plugging in and playing in terms of really adhering to his jackrabbit way. And, you know, a lot of the philosophies that he's ingrained. Um, and I think obviously that shows with, uh, with how you guys have been able to translate that to success on the field. Um, and so to kind of segue off of that, when you're recruiting guys who are um, all have all been studs at their own high schools um, and now they're they're wearing jackrabbit uh, blue and yellow, what what's the kind of separating factor that's going to get them uh, on the two deep or going to get them uh, earning a starting job for you? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, the, the unique transition that everybody makes going to college is, is you. Uh, many times are going on to a football team where everybody on the team was the best player on their high school team. So the, the level of competition, uh, both internally and externally within the team, uh, take, certainly takes, takes a step up. Uh, so I would say that uh, compared to a high school team, there's probably less variety in the talent level. I would say the, the, the variation is less because most players – 
are super passionate about the game uh, and they they have a, a at least a, uh, or they have a high level of talent uh, or even higher than that. I think uh, what it comes down to is is in the details. Uh, the guys that are willing to really dig in uh, to the details of of the scheme, the details of how to be the best athlete that they that they can be with their with their body, the details in their in their diet and their preparation and um, how they handle themselves that way. Uh, the college game, as you guys know, is certainly a step up schematically. So the mental side of the game can slow some great athletes down. And that's our job as coaches uh, to put them in a position to be successful by educating them and, make, and helping them feel like there's a system and it makes sense and they can play fast. Um, but the amount of work that they're willing to put in uh, is going to certainly impact that. Um, and uh, so I think it's in it's in the details it's in the work that they're willing to do uh, in the dark when, when nobody's watching, uh, because that's really where you build a lot of those habits that you ingrain. Um, it, it's, it's real tough to, to perform in the high pressure situations if you haven't done it in a non-pressure situation uh, when you're by yourself. And, and the willingness to really dive in uh, to, the, uh, to the intricacies of the scheme and uh, Ultimately, what separates them is not their size or their length or their speed. It's their playmaking ability. So those with a knack uh, to make plays, to play with instinct and show up on film, uh, all those other things can help them do that size and speed and uh, the combine results and all those sort of things. Uh, but when they're when they're out on the field, are they making plays? That's how we make decisions around here. Yeah. And then. And the last thing I'll ask, uh, just to kind of segue right off of that, is when I was in town for college game day, I noticed a lot of signage up around the facility um, with the acronym TOUGH on it, referencing, obviously, something is, is that something you can elaborate on for us uh, to give us some yeah. insight? Yeah. So um, Coach Rogers and I are the are co-defensive coordinators. Uh, he coaches the linebackers and, and I coach the safeties. And one of the first things uh, when Coach Stig named us uh, co-defensive coordinators um, not only were we, you know, streamlining, simplifying uh, the scheme and kind of uh, putting our mark on it, how, how we wanted it to, to move forward. Uh, we really wanted something to, to hang our hat on, a, a, a culture centerpiece uh, to our defense, so to speak. We, we believe in culture. We believe that our defensive culture, which is the tough culture, uh, will drive uh, belief that in that that belief will drive behavior and that behavior uh, will drive results and outcomes. And we all want outcomes. Uh, and we as leaders got to really drive that culture home. Uh, and, and what that what the tough stands for is team understanding, focus and finish. Uh, team, as it sounds, is is be one heartbeat, be one family, be willing to uh, put the, the defense's needs before my own. And to, to be a, you play the ultimate team game, we got to be willing to play the team game. And uh, defense is made by everybody doing their job and running the football as fast as they can and playing fast. And uh, the understanding is an understanding of what my job is, the sacrifice I'm going to need to make uh, to be a part of this program, the sacrifice I'm going to need to make to play college football. Uh, and what a, an understanding of the, the, this is where I need to be and understanding my academics. So there's so much understanding 
that if you can understand what you need to do mentally, you're able to go and, and do it uh, with, with all your heart uh, physically. And then focus is the ability to, to, to center my focus on, it could be something as simple as my vision and my key on the field, but it could be my, uh, what I put at the center of my life. I need to be able to rule out distractions in my life. There's, there's too much outside noise that we don't need to be worrying about. We got to control, we can control. And that's the focus piece. And then the finish. Uh, one of the biggest things we as, as men can do is, is do what we say we were going to do. And, and to us, that's, that's uh, running through the line, not to the line. That's uh, staying locked in all the way through the end of the meeting or running all the way to the football or doing everything plus a little bit more. That finished the job that we're called to do. And, and more important than any scheme thing we teach our guys in our defense, if we play as a team, we have great understanding, we focus on our job and what, what's controllable, and then we finish – uh, we're going to be successful. And I think we made great strides on the field this year uh, defensively, and a big part of that uh, was the culture. Coach, you made two comments there that really stuck out to me. One was a comment about the the type of athletes that you recruit and look for. You said something along the lines of uh, what they do in the dark or something like that, you know, what they do when no one is looking and how much that matters. And the other the other part was talking about how you've got all the bells and whistles, but it's it's the family first uh, approach is what you guys are are trying to make sure that you deliver uh, to potential athletes. And and I don't know if you knew this, we actually or I actually just got a chance to to get done interviewing Rudy Voss, yeah, who'll be coming in in the fall. And if I could define, you know, South Dakota State's program and Coach Stig in one way, it's genuine. And I think that the best. Um, example of that that I could possibly have is this 18-year-old kid I just talked to that didn't even know I was going to talk to you said those exact same things earlier today. Really? Yeah, and that that is, man, that's that's really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so that brings to mind my next question, and that's what is your approach in the state of Minnesota in areas that you recruit? How do you start narrowing down and finding those kids? Because it's easy to look at stat sheets. How on earth do you try to find a hundred players right. that have that it's, sort of mentality. Uh, recruiting is a process and, and it's uh, one that you have to be patient. You got to stay the course and you got to put the work in, you got to be organized. Um, and, you know, one, one of the biggest things uh, that is rewarding for me having grown up in Minnesota to be fortunate enough to, to be able to recruit my home state. Um, it, it, it brings some advantages just knowing areas and knowing uh, you, you have to look at maps less and you just, you, there's a, there's a certain comfort level and a, and a certain, um, uh, already ne- uh, network that I already have, um, in terms of growing up around in the area, but then I've recruited Minnesota pretty much every stop that I've been at. Um, so just like coaching is relationships and recruiting is relationships, the relationship with the high school coach, uh, is about relationships and that honesty. So, um, it, it, like I said, it's a process, but what we do, I mean, it starts when they're, uh, a sophomore, or, uh, you know, certainly a junior and, uh, kind of the first place we start is with the high school coach and, and I'll reach out to my, uh, my schools in Minnesota and I have a big chunk of Minnesota, all the twin cities, Southern Minnesota, um, which are key areas for us. And Minnesota in general is the second highest, uh, 
um, number of guys on our on our team besides South Dakota, about 15 guys right now from Minnesota, and um, starting to communicate with the high school coaches and say, hey, sophomores and juniors you have coming up, even freshmen, uh, who should we have on our radar? And that gives us our initial um, list, uh, in addition to all conference lists and, and all state lists and things like that that are easy to look up. And then you really dive into uh, watching their film. And, and the nice thing about Huddle is it's easy to easy to pull many guys up and it's efficient. Uh, be able to see, they have to have, be able to have a certain uh, ability for sure. Um, I mean, that goes without saying a certain playmaking ability uh, on the field is, is important. Um, in addition to that, what you're also doing at that time is talking to coaches, talking to teachers, talking to administrators, uh, talking to other coaches in the league or other people that know them, trying to get multiple perspectives. Uh, so you're able to have an objective opinion. And, and really what we're, what we're looking for is, is obviously the football ability uh, needs to be there to an extent, uh, but we're looking for a great SDSU fit that fits our culture as a team, uh, as a kid and academically. Uh, uh, student athletes of strong character, just who they are. More important than what they've done, just who they are. Their academic standing, uh, generally speaking, many, 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 many of our great players are also really good in the classroom. We believe how you do some things, uh, something is how, you, uh, how you're going to do all things. And uh, it's, it's easier to teach them how to backpedal than it is to, to pay attention to details and, and work hard and, and uh, be, uh, change their character. Uh, you can impact it, um, but it, but it's not as easy. Uh, and then the last thing after the fit, character, academics, I would say, is just their love for football. Football is a, a lot of work. Um, it's an awesome game, incredibly rewarding, uh, but it's a lot of work. So they got to love the process. They got to love the meetings and the and the relationships in the locker room and the workouts. And um, so you're doing that over time. Um, and, and evaluating them and see if they're a good fit. And that whole time, that list is narrowing. So you start with a lot of guys and that list is narrowing by we're, we're saying they're not a great fit or they're not quite good enough or their academics aren't good enough. And we're, and we're really looking for reasons not to recruit them. Um, and, and you end up with a smaller pool of more manageable guys. And then on the flip side, the recruit, the student athlete is doing the same thing with a lot of different schools. They're narrowing their list. And what you're really looking for is that two-way street. Where, uh, where can we find those guys, you know, like the 25 the guys that are coming into our class of this upcoming year, uh, they were the right fit for us and we were the right fit for them. That, that was that two-way street. It, you know, I wanted to go to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame didn't want me. Uh, I played Division III so, uh, and had an awesome experience. That was the right fit for me. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process. It's one that happens over time. It requires patience, um, but it, it's a, it's a two-way street. And to that point, um, is there anything that you see uh, or you look for that kids are doing nowadays that might uh, be a deterrent? Like I see a lot of kids uh, on Twitter or online. I think that maybe they're not uh, taking the onus on their own shoulders to be able to uh, do their own recruitment to find their own right fit. Instead, they think that, you know, coaching staffs and teams are going to have to kind of come to them. Um, and I just, I find it funny when they'll, they'll say like, uh, 
thankful for my seventh offer or something like that. And, and I think it kind of just clouds the whole um, gratitude aspect of receiving an offer in general. Um, but I mean, maybe that's just my take on it. But are there certain things like that that maybe you can offer up uh, maybe a point or two for kids out there that are being recruited that a coach of your caliber at the level you're at, at the division one level might, uh, might shy that shy them away from that prospect. Yeah, I think, uh, social media is a great thing uh, and it's, it's not a great thing and it, it can kind of go both ways. And, uh, it's certainly helpful in, uh, a 18 year old's ability to, uh, spread knowledge about their ability uh, because because of uh, the ease that we can communicate. It's just different than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. It's just different. Uh, it, it, it's different than the recruiting process I went through, you went through uh, because of technology. Um, it can also be very dangerous. So it's one of when we talk about looking for reasons maybe not to recruit somebody because we're dealing with a lot of numbers. One of those areas that we're looking at when I talked about their character and who they are, regardless of how good a football player and student there, uh, we want to bring, bring great people into the program. Uh, we're we're going to look for red flags on social media. And it may be something not having to do with recruiting at all, something they're posting or liking or retweeting. Uh, if it's not something we stand for, that's an immediate red flag. Um, and many times that's echoed by, by the coach or, um, but sometimes we found out about it on, on social media. Um, I guess speaking of another thing that, that the way you phrased it, maybe it would, would turn us away is somebody that um, there, there is no issue with with kind of being informational on, on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is. Um, but if we feel like a heavy sense of uh, ego where it, the the, the uh, they really lay it on thick about how good they are. Uh, that, that can be a turnoff. Um, I'm not saying announcing an offer on Twitter is, is a bad thing. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I am, it can be a, a piece to us developing a uh, subjective opinion of, of student athletes. Um, and, and we want guys with, with a balance of uh, confidence uh, in their ability, confidence in their, in their, in their coaches and in faith in that, uh, but balanced with humility. Uh, in a sense of gratitude for for what they have, and uh, when you really dig in and, and get to know somebody, sometimes you see that you know maybe that isn't what they were trying to express, and then sometimes you dig in and get to know somebody and say, yeah, they they are very arrogant or they do have this, and then uh, you know we got to make a decision whether that's something we work through or um, something we feel like we can have an influence on, or if there's another guy that's at the same ability and the same. Uh, we see them very kind of tied in the recruiting process. We're going to give the nod to the person that we think is a better fit for us. Um, and that balance of confidence and humility is important in our program. You got anything to add to that, Dallas? I don't have anything to add to that necessarily. You know, again, I think you guys really practice what you preach on that. Uh, I'm curious. I want to talk a little bit more yeah. tactically about recruiting now just a bit in, in the state of Minnesota. Um, to start out with, uh, I've got two questions here. First one I'll let you answer is getting around the state and seeing the talent that you guys have pulled out of there. Is the state of Minnesota in general overlooked at all in recruiting? Or do you think there are any specific areas perhaps that are overlooked? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe Minnesota is overlooked. 
Um, I think there's always the, um, you know, perceptions of football in the South or football in Texas or, um, and, and, and some of that is warranted and some of it isn't, but I think overall, uh, Minnesota is a, is a heavily recruited state. I mean, and, and part of that is, uh, there's two division three leagues, uh, in the MIAC and the UMAC, and then the NSIC is a, is a big division two league, relatively speaking. And then you certainly have the Missouri Valley, um, that really uh, many of the teams recruit in Minnesota. Uh, even, you know, the, uh, a lot of the Illinois schools are recruiting in Minnesota because so many of the games are this way. So they can spin it as, you know, you're the, if you're a, if you're a kid, um, or I should say so many of the games are out that way as well. So, I mean, if, if you can recruit in an area where the league is, uh, home games and away games are within that drivable distance. Um, and then you got the big 10 certainly. And then, uh, you know, the, the Mac, uh, the, the mid-majors and the, the, uh, the Mountain West recruits in Minnesota as well. So I don't think it's uh, overlooked. I think if you're a high school kid in Minnesota, uh, college coaches are watching your film. Cool. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of talent there. I was trying, what I was trying to drive you towards was Southwest Minnesota, and then I was going to ask you what's the better program, Jackson County Central or Fairmont? <laughs> oh, we don't even have to answer that. That's rhetorical, right? We know, we know it's the Cardinals. <laughs> I, I I would I would say in terms of the in terms of the state, okay. Let let me let me kind of amend some of that. I think specifically in the in the more dense populations, uh, not overlooked. I think in the cities, that's where where uh, certainly the most schools, the most six day schools, that's where most people are looking uh, first. Um, but there are there are pockets all throughout the state, and there's uh, kids all throughout the state that uh, live all over the place and they may be fewer and, and more distance in between them. Uh, but uh, when you get into the r- more rural areas or the lesser population, that's where there would be a chance, uh, a greater chance of somebody being overlooked. And uh, take, for example, it's not Minnesota, but Dallas Goddard draft pick of the Eagles uh, a couple years ago uh, from a small school in South Dakota. And, uh, you know, walked on at South Dakota State and and uh, the examples are countless. And um, just because a kid doesn't go to a big school, a 6A school doesn't mean they can't play football. They, they, a lot of times they didn't pick where they're growing up. They, maybe they go to a nine man school and they're a great player. Um, when we watch film, do we take that into consideration, the competition they're going against? You bet. We need to because uh, the. The 6A football is going to probably have a little bit different size and speed compared to compared to nine men. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not recruiting them or that we're, that we're not evaluating the film. But we just always keep in mind, OK, who are they going against? No, that makes sense. I mean, you know, I got a chance to play with with Scott Connett, who came out of Nebraska and he played eight man football, you know, and wanted to play with the Chiefs for a while. So, yep. you know, there's all kinds of talent. Uh, I guess where I wanted to go with that question then was uh, I had a chance to interview Coach Ballman uh, for from Marshall, Minnesota. Yep, uh, for this Marshall. for yeah. this episode, and that was one of the things he said with with all the you know everybody being stuck at home. He was concerned or thought that maybe that this could impact recruiting for rural kids, especially because there's not as many coaches that have got eyeballs on them, right? 
So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about just the, the situation that we're in right now with, with COVID and how that impacts recruiting a little more? Yeah, it's uh, like we mentioned, it's it's a unique times, so, you know, unprecedented. Uh, and it certainly changes how, we, how we're doing what we're doing. Normally, this time of year, spring ball would have ended last Friday and, and I would have hit the road and I would be, uh, you know, boots on the ground in Minnesota and going in, in it's an evaluation phase. So you're, you're talking to high school coaches, you're evaluating transcripts. If they're in track, you can watch a track practice. You can uh, watch them. It's not a time of year where you can sit down and meet with kids, uh, but it's a time to get eyeballs on them and, and evaluate. And uh, what it's forced us, uh, uh, let me, let me back up. And then to add on to that in the summer, there's lots of camps. You can get more eyeballs on them. Um, and now those, you know, are, are in jeopardy big time as well with, with the situation that we're in. But we got to adapt. Like we said, it's a sudden change. Uh, we'll all be better because of this. And I think uh, if, if you're a, a 2021 recruit, uh, you know, ju- junior going to be senior, which is the class we're recruiting right now. Um, I, w- I would say uh, it's going to look different, but it's going to be OK. You guys, you're going to find homes. You're going to find the homes that you probably would have found anyway, because everybody's dealing with this. Um, the biggest advice I would have is because of technology. There is some advantages, even though coaches can't get out to you. Uh, there's many things that you can do uh, on huddle and in creating good highlight tapes from your game film, um, making sure you're proactive in reaching out to coaches of, of programs that you're interested in. And, and then and then um, putting drill work on film. Nothing says you can't go to the park. You can't go to the field with a buddy that that films you doing doing some drills and it, it puts um, you can share that on huddle and you can, um, that's, that's, that's yours to, that's yours to use. Um, so there's ways, uh, to help yourself there. Um, I do think that recruiting may, in terms of, you know, offers and commitments, I think it may slow a little bit this year. It may not be as, uh, as quick last year, we had much of our class committed by the 4th of July and certainly by the end of the summer, it may be a little bit of different timeline this year. Maybe, Maybe senior, maybe recruiting goes into your senior year a little bit more. Um, but the reality is, is everybody's dealing with all the kids are dealing with it. All the coaching staffs are dealing with it. Uh, there's still going to be the same amount of spots. Um, just keep being you. Keep working hard. Attacking the process and control what you can control. That's the biggest thing. So much of this is out, our, out of our control. And coach, I kind of want to highlight one of the things you said, because I think you hit the nail on the head uh, about being proactive throughout this process. I think a lot of the young kids, I think uh, maybe the upper tier understand that, you know, they want to vet the schools that that are looking at them and do their own due diligence. But but kids from these smaller areas, I think now uh, is the time more than ever to just really be self-directed in, in trying to find the school in the, in the proper place that's going to be a, the fit for you. Um, so I wanted to hit, hit that again. And I don't, I don't know if Coach Stig is still using the example of, of the DB uh, who dropped the pick to seal the game at Montana as far as playing in the present and being proactive, uh, but not letting the previous play beat you. But that, that came to mind about being proactive. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he's still using the Simmons Junior High example. Oh yeah, he, sure he uses both of us. He's yeah. consistent now. He, he, it, it's it's now when you walk in, it, it would bring you right back. I'm sure. 
That's awesome. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, recruiting is the, is the transfer portal, has that, I mean, like let's uh, I guess put the whole global situation aside right now. Cause that's kind of thrown a monkey wrench into everything, but how, how have you seen that either positively and negatively uh, affect the FCS level? You know, I, I, I would say I feel neutral about it right now. I don't, uh, I think it's, it, it's, it, so much of what we do and we should is, is for the betterment of the experience of the student athlete. And uh, if, if the NCAA feels like this is a better process to let a kid uh, explore his options, uh, then, it, then it's a positive thing. Uh, we haven't seen, to be honest, a dramatic increase in guys looking to uh, transfer in or out. Um, and I think it'll, it'll be probably a couple of years of the NCAA doing, doing research on did, did, did this create more people transferring, just the portal in and of itself. Um, so it, for us so far, our administration has done a good job and, it, and it's been smooth. And uh, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's, a, it's a very similar process to transfer and the, the same rules would be in place if, if you have to sit out or not, depending on if you're transferring up or down or uh, the biggest is how easy it would be to for a kid to I- explore his options rather than getting a release. He's able to just to go to the uh, administration office and just request, uh, you know, access to a website and he can do it on his own. Uh, but we really haven't have not noticed uh, uh, huge positives or negatives from it. How about, uh, you know, as far as the new, uh, I shouldn't say new, it's kind of been in effect now for a little bit, but the. Uh, uh, the red shirt rule, how that's evolved and changed. I think that's like only benefited all, all parties because it gives younger guys a chance to learn the playbook a little bit better, but get kind of baptism through fire with real game situations. And then speak uh, a little bit about that, how that's impacted the guys. Yeah, I think this is, you know, the NCAA changes rules every year and there's improvements and updates and all that. I think this is the best rule that they've ever created in my time. I've coached for about 15 years. Uh, this is the, this is the best one. Cause I think it's what's best for everybody. I think uh, a young player is able to, like you said, kind of test the waters and, and we're able to kind of see, are they ready or are they not without burning their year and kind of wasting that year of, of their eligibility. Uh, it, and it makes them hungry. They're, they're always, out, I think they're more engaged rather than if I, I just know I'm getting redshirted, I'll never play in a game. They, they never know uh, if it's going to be their week. Is this going to be my week maybe where I get, I get to use my game? Um, and, and, uh, and they're just more locked in, not only physically, but, but, but mentally to the, to the meetings. And, and when they get to that spring of their freshman year, uh, they're at a way better place because of all that, all that intense focus work they did in the fall to get themselves uh, game ready. And I think one of the biggest hidden benefits of it all is we're able to protect uh, some of the older players that that this rule isn't technically impacting, but it protects them from if they are dealing with an injury, it's easier to spell them with somebody that you're not worried about burning their year rather than just telling them to get out there and tough it out. Um, it, it, it protects their body. And we've talked a lot, we talk a ton about player safety in college football and, and what football is going to look like and concussions and all that. Um, this is a great way to, to spread out the workload. Uh, and it's more fun because more people get to be involved. So I just think it's, 
it's it's win-win. It doesn't put as much pressure on the coach to decide, are we going to redshirt or are we not? We could say, hey, let's let's try it for a couple of weeks. Um, now, I'll tell you what, it has created more work for the staff because it does, uh, in our staff meetings, we spend a lot of time, okay, who are who's ready to play? Um, do we have a role for them this week? And if we're going to use their game, if, if we're going to use Johnny this week, then we want to use them. We don't want to use them for two plays on kickoff. Let's get them on punt. Let's get them on kickoff return. Like, let's get them on a number of things. But then who's coming off? It may be a deserving guy that we don't even want to bring off. So uh, it's not as simple as just run out there and play. Uh, but I do think overall, super positive. Got anything, Dallas, you want to inquire about? You know what? I don't think I do right now, Coach. Um, that's you know, you've, you've covered a lot of uh, pretty basically checked up all the boxes I had just in terms of of South Dakota State's approach to coaching and, you know, and how you, you select players. Um, you know, anything in particular with the recruiting process that maybe we didn't touch on that you want to cover? Um, I think the, you know, I guess one thing we didn't cover was kind of the, the in a normal year, not just now, but in a normal year, if you're a, you know, a, a senior to be and, uh, you know, want to play college football, uh, some advice I, I would have, I guess, um, would would be to to communicate with your with your high school head coach and and communicate your desire uh, to play college football because he's kind of one of your first advocates in, in your high school coach and and being the best contributor leader captain uh, respectful of your coaches and team that you can be in high school ultimately one of the most meaningful things to us is your is your level of commitment and contribution to your high school team more than a seven-on-seven league, more than a combine, uh, more than all of that stuff uh, is, is what, you've, what you've poured into your high school program because that's, that's going to be representative of what you're going to pour into our program. And um, so I'd, I'd say that relationship with the head coach can, uh, can only help because he's one of the first guys that we go to. Second, uh, create, a, create a great uh, huddle highlight film that, that is not too short, not too long, that puts your best plays at the beginning uh, of it uh, because that's going to draw people's uh, attention uh, and that, that you that you get it out there, that you have your coach uh, uh, email uh, that link out, uh, that you have it ready, uh, that you know uh, that, that you bust your butt in the classroom and you know your, your GPA and you know what your core GPA is and you know what you get in your ACT because one of the, one of the biggest turnoffs is you try to talk academics and and the kid, uh, the student athlete says, well, I don't know. I don't know what my GPA is. Well, if you're serious about college, playing college football, you should know that. And, uh, and, and, and then it's also starting to, um, as you go, start to narrow your focus on what, not just who's recruiting me, therefore I'm interested in them. What am I interested in? Where, how far away from home do I want to go? What level do I want to play at? What, what major do I want? You're recruiting schools just as much as they're recruiting you because you want to find that, again, you want to find that two-way street. And then be proactive with going to, in a normal year, going to those schools' camps, uh, getting to know their coaches, and not not just w- sitting on your hands and waiting, but in, in uh, not an overbearing way. Don't be the guy that, that reaches out every single day and bombards coaches, but in a, in a, in a sincere way. Uh, just communicate your interest to the school because that matters to us. We want guys that want us as well, um, assuming they're checking all the other boxes. 
Um, and then, and then being willing to have a relationship, you know, we want to recruit guys that want that, that want a relationship. And that's, you know, that might be coming to a junior day. It might be coming to a game. It might be coming to camp. Uh, it's us coming out and visiting school and watching your workout. It's, uh, when you're a senior, then we can actually sit down and talk with you. Um, it's on the phone, it's texting, it's Twitter. So, I mean, it's, there's so many vectors that are intersecting. Um, but being a proactive, uh, member to the relationship, uh, I think only benefits you as, as the, you know, as the student athlete. So I get, those would be a few just words of wisdom, I guess. I, I you, you go through the recruiting process a lot as a coach, so you see what works for kids and what doesn't. So I think the last vector on that point that we'd be remiss if we didn't hit is the parents. Now, I, I live here in Texas, and football is very much a religion. And after coaching first and third grade flag football, I got to say, uh, parents uh, continue to surprise me. I thought I'd seen it all, but I, I hadn't. Um, what what's a good message for parents in terms of their involvement in terms of some of the things you like to see because sometimes the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and that can go both positive and negative ways so um do you care to speak to that a little bit yeah yeah you bet i think uh that, that's a great point because we uh we're a family at sdsu and, and we're recruiting the family because we want their family to be a part of our our family uh and and uh that's a powerful thing when you got when you got a group of people bought in and when it's bigger than just the guys and it's the coach's family. So family is, is super important to us. So I'm glad you brought up parents because um, many times you're right. It, it's uh, there's a reason a lot of times kids are the way they are. And uh, many times you don't need to look much past uh, the parents. And that speaks to, you know, that's convicting to me as a parent to make sure that I'm influencing my own kids that way. Um, but I think we want to see parents that want what's best for their kid, uh, that uh, is going to give guidance to their son, uh, but not uh, be overbearing and do everything for them. We love to see that balance of uh, support, but not micromanaging them. Um, we love to see some of the same traits in terms of uh, their character and their value for uh, academics and how they treat people and how they talk to each other as a family, uh, because that's going to that's going to probably predict in, in some ways how they're going to uh, communicate with their football family. Um, and, you know, those things uh, come, I think, are just a piece of uh, a piece of the puzzle. It's it's certainly um we, we, we see all sorts of uh, parent involvement. Some are not involved at all in their son's lives, and some are um, probably over-involved. Uh, and like I talked about before, balance, uh, we, we're looking for a, a, a supportive uh, balance uh, from the parents uh, and just an understanding that uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big decision for their son, uh, one of the biggest in terms of uh, picking their college and, and really wanting what's, what's best for them. Appreciate you sharing that. And I think Dallas, you can speak to this. I can, and, and even you coach, uh, there's definitely been players that we've played with, uh, who have succeeded in spite of their situation as well, whether it be, you know, uh, good in an overbearing way or, you know, a, a lack of parental involvement. So I think, you know, one of the things that, that you touched on earlier with a different question is can control what you can control, um, so as far as those recruits coming in, don't, don't let that be a crutch and don't let it be an excuse. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, again, it's just, uh, 
It is a, it's, it's not, it's not science. Yeah, recruiting is, is, uh, is a lot about feel and there's subjective decisions that you need to make. And the, the, the parent piece is a, is a, is a piece of the decision, right? It's not the only thing. It's, it's a number of things that, that we weigh. And then at the end of the day, we got to, uh, you know, we got to come together as a staff and, and we got to have faith and, and all this information that we've got and an organized approach and one that we worked really hard and developed relationships that we're making the right decisions as a staff um, to bring in the right guys because we owe that to our current team. Our current team now, uh, we owe them uh, bringing the right people into our program, into our family. And our guys take that seriously. And that's why we have our players super involved when kids come on campus. Our players are involved because we want to know our players' opinion. Because many times you see a different side of a student athlete when no coaches or parents are around. And uh, we want our, our players to be honest with us with what their thoughts are. Um, so it's uh, it's not a, it's like I said, it's not a one plus one equals two equation. There's a lot of things that go go into it. Uh, but it's something that I think is a, is a real big strength uh, of SDSU football. And that's because I think of all the football things on the field and the facilities and the academics and all that, our number one strength is our people and the culture uh, and the people that surround it. And Coach Stig is such a big part of that. And recruiting is about people and relationships. So I think it's one of our biggest strengths. Well put. Couldn't have said it any better. And Coach, you've given us a ton of your time. I don't know, Dallas, you got anything else? No, you can't beat that. That We're going we're gonna to open the show with that quote. That was fantastic. Well, Coach, I appreciate uh, the time you've given us today. Um, hopefully you're able to find a silver lining throughout the whole uh, situation that's ongoing right now and puts you back around your family, which is a little atypical probably for, for a football coach with, with heavy demand on your, your hours uh, with X's and O's, but also on the road recruiting. Uh, thanks for all the wisdom you shared with us and giving us a little peek behind the curtain. Um, hopefully we can do it again sometime. You bet. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Go Jacks. Go Jackson. Jackson. Horns down. You, you never can overwork. I mean, if you think you're doing enough, there's someone out there doing more. That's just, that's sports. Go Jackrabbits.